Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And get this, in just a few hours, Zuckerberg's net worth fell more than $6 billion. No, no. No, it's more of a woo. You don't go woo. Yeah, they go, oh. Six billion dollars mean he has a lot of money. When he goes to space, his rocket is just going to be a jetpack strapped to a Camry. <laughs> um, the American bumblebee could soon be declared endangered. Stay with us for live team coverage. Got stung by a bumblebee once. Uh, most painful sting I've ever had. Really? Oh yeah. Ooh, that one. It's hurt. An intimidating bee too. That I mean, one hurt. just by weight. Yeah. Not a big black ones. I remember I learned once, the shiny why, ones why, are fine. Why, why do you got to bring race into it? <laughs> the shiny ones are okay. It's the hairy ones that'll sting you when you come to your your big black bumblebees. Yeah, I got there was a hairy one that stung me right in the back. I'm mowing the lawn. I didn't even do anything to it. I'm just mowing along, and it comes and it stings me in the back. Just out of pure spite. Out of so, meanness. Now, was it the, the, the black and yellow types or just the black ones? I don't recall. Do you remember? Because the, the classic bumblebee, the American bumblebee, I believe is the black and yellow one. At least that's the uh, that's the uh, illustration that they chose to go along with this news story, which may or may not be accurate. But, <laughs> uh, anyway, live bumblebee coverage coming up. Stay with us. Don't kill any bumblebees until you uh, hear the story. It might get you in federal prison. So as we talked about a couple of times yesterday, over a four-day period, China harassed Taiwan with more than 150 Air Force aircraft, including bombers and fighter jets and... Radar blocking equipment and all kinds of different stuff. The most provocative thing they've ever done, which is probably why the defense minister of Taiwan said that the relationship between China and Taiwan is the worst it's been in 40 years. And is pushing for new arms spending. I can't believe they don't spend like every cent they could possibly scrape up on arms now. Their defense minister said China already has the ability to invade Taiwan and it will be capable of mounting a full scale invasion by 2025, whatever that means. By 2025, China will bring the cost and attrition to its lowest. It has the capacity now, but it will not start a war easily, having to take many other things into consideration. Well, I hope you're right. Like the United States, in theory, coming to Taiwan. I mean, in theory, what we've been saying for years is that if you attack Taiwan, well, you are at war with the United States. I'm not sure that that's actually the case. I don't think it is. Signed, Ukraine. Right. If you remember that far back. Yeah, yeah. I am absolutely not willing to make a prediction about uh, the China-Taiwan thing. I have no idea what what Xi Jinping thinks is the best course of action. Um, I would not be shocked by any outcome. So... I don't know if I've heard about NFTs anywhere but this show. And if Sean, our old producer, hadn't been into them, I wouldn't have heard about them either. It just hasn't shown up on my radar that much. Do I even remember what it stands for? Non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens. And it can take all kinds of different um, looks. And somebody emailed us the other day that one of Sean's uh, ape NFTs yeah, is now worth six. So go ahead. What I'm about to get into? Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so it's about it's worth about what? Six figures. Okay, that might be true. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. So this came out yesterday. So Sean had, and and a lot of people do. So they they have like baseball cards, and but it's digital, and you look it on on your computer or your phone. 
and you pay for it, and you trade it with other people. And um, some of us look at it and think, I, I don't get it. It's just a picture on my phone. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just <laughs> screen capture that and send it to somebody else? Right. But Because that's not the real one. Um, now, when I make that argument, you can also reply with, well, a baseball card is just a picture on a piece of cardboard. Here, hand me that baseball card. I'll print it out here on the printer. It looks exactly the same. I have a good color printer. What the hell's the difference? And yeah, you would say, that's not the actual one. Right. It's a question of scarcity, but it's also the purest form of speculation I've ever seen. You have prices on something that has no worth, really, at all. So, But you see the prices skyrocketing based on people's belief that somebody else is willing to pay more later. So it's pure speculation. So Sean had one of the digital apes, and uh, he I forget what he paid for it originally. It wasn't much, but then it went up quite a bit. Um, and I took a picture of it with my phone, and then I said, look, mine looks exactly like yours. And he said, but it's not. Um, okay. You should sell it for like a tenth as a limited edition print, like in art. <laughs> but I, yeah, what I, I don't know. I guess I have to have the certificate of, of authenticity, or I don't even know how that works. But so the update is this the developer behind the NFT project Evil Ape, that's what we're talking about here. And there was a different kinds of the ape doing different things, smoking a cigar, wearing a funny hat. Whatever. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> the developer behind the NFT project Evil Ape has suddenly disappeared along with its Twitter account, website, and $2.7 million. Huh. Now, I... Well, okay, here's here's the first response on the, 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 the Twitter article about that. Reading this article and thinking, am I the only one who has no effing clue what any of this means? <laughs> <laughs> But somebody else replied, basically a bunch of people decided that paying for digital pictures with a receipt attached meant they would both get the picture, the receipt, and the guarantee that they had the original image. None of these things are guaranteed or even true for that matter. So the guy, it would seem, disappeared with the ability to authenticate it because he closed down his website and his Twitter account and everything like that and is just to gone. That is my understanding of it, yeah. In fact, your possession of the item... In in many cases, it was just a link to that website. But so now at this point, my picture of Sean's picture is no different than his, right? Other than him being able to say, no, mine's an original. You'd have to take his word for it. To the extent that I can comprehend the story, that sounds like it, yeah. Huh. If it's not, please let us know. Email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Now, there are a number of people uh, uh, who are mocking the whole NFT thing, which I have done, um, with a... Uh, you know, with this whole thing happening, although I'm not ready to go there yet, because if, you know, if I buy anything and the guy turns out to be a crook, that doesn't mean that that venue of purchasing. If I buy some uh, 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 L.A. Dodgers tickets today and they turn out to be fake and somebody's a crook, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the concept of Dodgers tickets is bogus. No, I think the difference is that the NFTs have no intrinsic worth, really. Nobody says, this this picture of an ape on my phone, I just, I look at it, it centers me, it makes me happy, it reminds me of my childhood. I, okay. I don't know where I'd be without used- this picture of an ape. It's pure <laughs> speculation. I don't know where I would be. <laughs> I don't know how it had gotten through my grandmother's death if I hadn't had this digital picture of an ape in a funny hat. <laughs> The digital ape has been my best friend through a turbulent time. 
we laugh together, we sleep together, we drink together. It's... And I think there's a perception that the only people, the only reason anybody is interested in these things whatsoever is greed, because they okay. believe the next guy will pay more. I used a bad example, as you just pointed out, because actual L.A. Dodger tickets have it, uh, you know, are a thing. Um, 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 but okay, how, back back to the baseball card then metaphor. That's a pretty good one though, isn't it? If somebody sells me a fake card, and then I find out it's fake, that doesn't mean that the cards are pointless. There's a limited number of them. They exist, and people pay for them. Yeah, but the, the, the baseball card thing has to do with scarcity over time, this especially. Is, this is scarcity too. They only printed so many of the apes. There's only so many of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose in that way, I mean, a baseball card is not important. Although I know base, I know baseball uh, like memorabilia enthusiasts, and they really do love having this stuff. Um, Sean seemed to really love having his limited edition digital eight. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I just, I still don't see the difference between that and the baseball card. Well, I think I'm not going to buy the digital stuff. I think it's crazy. I mean, I just, but I think it might just be because of my age. I, I think it has to do with the digital ape thing is imposed scarcity purely to make money. Whereas the baseball card thing is legitimate scarcity over time. There are extremely few of these left on earth. Yeah. And it's something people have been collecting for a very long time. They're the same guy who put out the unique digital ape could put out five million of them tomorrow, and they would be precisely the same. Whereas, nobody it's difficult could, to explain why. Nobody can produce a brand new 1923 Honus Wagner card. Right. Right. That's, it's just, that's it's inauthentic. That's very true. That's true. Whether that matters and somebody ought to spend their hard-earned money on baseball cards, that's up to you, I suppose. It's a subtle difference, I agree. Yeah, and that's part of the whole, that's what Andy Warhol was trying to point out with his replication of all his art, was like, okay, so why is this valuable or not valuable? I made a whole bunch of them. Yeah, I've got I can to make record. as many as I want. What an interesting guy. I had not even come close to appreciating what an interesting dude he was. What's that book about him you recommend? Oh, What's, What the hell's going on, Andy Warhol? <laughs> what are you up to, you... <laughs> I've actually read several, which is weird. Silver-haired weirdo. And watched a couple documentaries. I got a little obsessed wow. there for a while. Boy, I got to give up golf. I don't have the time for that sort of thing. <laughs> That's why you just need to sit in an apartment, eating Jello, <laughs> Yes. And uh, reading. That's <laughs> Looking at my digital apes whenever I get depressed. <laughs> Anybody got any uh, thoughts on the whole digital the NFTs thing? I mean, it's just, I'm trying to get away from just the easy, outright mockery of it, which is... I'm trying to figure out if it's a thing or not, if it's going to stick around. If this is just a weird blip, it'll go away and never be heard of again, or if it's here to stay, it's the future. Well, at least it's an interesting thought exercise trying to figure out what the difference is between an NFT and yeah. a you know, baseball card or what have you, or, or a piece of art, a work of art versus a limited edition print. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. Um... Got to bring you up to speed on a couple of different things, like something that's in that bill that they're going to pass. Any transaction of more than $600 in your bank account, the government gets to take a look at? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. $600? So if you buy practically anything. You can't buy a couch for that. So I buy a couch and the feds get to root around in my bank account? What? Yeah. Um, Details on that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Secretary of the Treasury defending the IRS uh, plan to look at any transaction over transaction over six hundred dollars. What? We'll talk about that in a second. But first, this. So somehow, Alex in the newsroom, our uh, our man Alex, um, they keep getting phone calls out there from the BBC, wanting a report on the oil spill, huh. the Huntington Beach off the shores of Southern California oil spill. We don't have any expertise on that alex doesn't have any expertise on that nobody here does but i'm B- willing to comment but the bc bbc keeps calling back so he's finally he just said do you just need a report on this and they said yeah so he's gonna do a report for the bbc on the oil spill here in a few minutes and we're trying to convince him to to drop an armstrong and getty you know yes. kind of like the classic howard stern thing yes there's really yes. as far as i know there's only one team that could get this oil flow stopped and that'd be the armstrong and getty show they could they could have this oil thing under control, in or no just time. say Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The state is appealing to the world leader in pipe repair, Armstrong and Getty, to cancel their current projects and come immediately to Orange County. Now, do you feel bad about doing that? Not at all. <laughs> That's how my, it sounds. My morals are for sale. Well, well, well give me a hundred bucks. I'll well, drop Ted Lasso. A hundred. <laughs> well, but besides that, if if the BBC calls four times and still doesn't care that they obviously have not struck gold on a you know a mine of information about this then go ahead and just give them something i told them on the first call listen i'm not a reporter i'm a producer and they're like yeah that's fine okay (laughs) well you know you know what it is you work in a newsroom that that person calling you was given a job get somebody on the phone to talk about the oil spill period Check a box. You could end up being a star on the Beeb, Alex. You might you might l- l- move to London. They'd have a they'd have a nickname for you instead of Big Ben. You'd be Big Al. You'd be the toast of the town. <laughs> Mention uh, Armstrong and Getty and Monty Python or uh, the, the Ricky Gervais. Anything you want to throw in? Well, there are some that call me Tim. Well, yes. We should drop that right as we get started. Oh boy! Excellent anyway, reference. Us, Not at all dated. Thank let, you. Kill me. Let us know how that goes, Alex, with your report on the BBC. I'll save it for final thoughts. There you go. Awesome. Cool. Something to look forward to. So uh, we talked about this a little bit. Tucked inside one of those giant bills that might pass is this. An IRS rule requiring banks to report all transactions over 600 bucks. Now, we've all known that since 9-11, and I hate this. I hate that any transaction over ten grand. There's paperwork involved. I don't think the freaking government should have any knowledge of if I decide to buy a used car from Fred and uh, you know and, and get ten grand out of my account and give it to him or write him a check or whatever. Well, and remember, ten grand is some sort of pul- a compulsory requirement. But less than that, when I went to buy a pickup truck for I think it was seventy six hundred bucks and got the cash out, the friendly bank manager had to grill me about what I was planning to do with the money. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is defending a Biden administration proposal that would require banks to report data to the IRS on transactions over $600, calling the collection of information routine after taking heat for the idea that is widely seen as an unprecedented invasion of privacy. I would say so. Wow, routine. What the hell does that mean? That reminds me of, oh, this is our standard contract. Don't worry about that. Right now, on every bank account that earns more than $10 a year in interest, the banks report the interest earned to the IRS. Well, I don't like that because, once again, they're trying to find out things about you uh, that I don't think they uh, they need to be doing. 
Uh, but that's a hell of a leap from, okay, you've got such a giant amount of money in your account, what's going on there, to uh, anything over $600 is going to be reported? Well, and you could argue that, all right, reporting interest, that's that's income, and there's a tax owed on that. But if I take 600 bu- 650 bucks out to buy a chair or a guitar or whatever, the government needs to know about that. There is zero argument reasonably in favor of that. They're claiming the reason is to close the enormous tax gap. There's a whole bunch of taxes we don't collect every year. That That's true. Like uh, many, 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 many billions of dollars that don't get collected every single year. But they're, they're claiming that this is the reason. I don't think this is the only reason. It's going to be a great way to keep an eye on everybody for all kinds of different reasons. You know it will be misused um, in the future. Well, the idea that the feds get to examine the bank records of anybody who dares to have a $600 transaction, that's everybody. And how hard is this going to be on the banks and credit unions to report? Every single account is going to fall under this. As one Republican senator said, so do you distrust the American people so much you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? It's not even distrust or trust. You just, you don't, it's none of your business. You don't get to. That's the thing. Right. You know, I love the statement by the Nebraska State Treasurer. We're out of time, but I'll hit you with that on the other side of the break. I think he summarizes it pretty beautifully. That and the vanishing bumblebee. Stay tuned, or if you miss a segment, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. So California led the nation in uh, outlawing straws. Now it's going to be ketchup, ketchup pack packages and uh, plastic forks. Plastic forks, ketchup packages and plastic forks are going to be outlawed. Maybe we'll get into that later. Boy, if you just want to be the laughing stock of the nation, you're doing a good job. What if you go through the drive-through? You just can't have any ketchup. Ketchup packets, plastic utensils will only come with takeout orders if oh. requested. Under new California law. So they won't automatically right. give you the ketchup, ketchup pack, package in the fork to eat your freaking food. Um, you got to specifically ask for it. But that's how it starts. That's how it started with the straws. Then the next step is you just don't get them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, first, what, first, first violation, $25. Any violation after that for the restaurant is $300. For giving, you a, for giving you a ketchup packet. How, how the hell? What are they going to send state inspectors to, to go through the McDonald's and get a burger and fries? And aha! You gave me ketchup I didn't ask for. Put your hands behind your back. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Unfriggin' believable. So one final note on the uh, the Janet Yellen-endorsed plan that the feds get to root around in your bank account if you have any transaction of $600 or more, which is just insane. There ought to be revolution in the streets over this. The Nebraska State Treasurer, whose name is John Morante, said in a statement released last month, and quite a few uh, fairly high-level politicians have commented on this, quote, this could lead to a tremendous invasion of privacy, the likes of which our country has never seen. Millions of law-abiding Americans would suddenly have their bank accounts open to federal investigators for no more reason than buying a refrigerator. This is simply unconscionable. To make matters worse under this proposal, saving for college could put an American family on the IRS's radar. Costs that will likely be passed on to the public. Because it used to be you needed a, a, uh, a warrant to root around in people's bank accounts. Sure. There, the problem is there are too many people, and I wouldn't be surprised if you put this to a vote, if it might not be, might not be a, a majority. 
or a, a poll, a majority of people have the idea of, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I'm not worried about it, so what difference does it make? Which is just a backwards way of looking at it. Why would you let someone else look at your finances? Would you let your neighbor, your boss? What if your boss said, yeah, I want to see I want to see your bank records. I just want to know what you spend your money on. You'd say, no freaking way. Well, then don't let the government do it either. Well, right, right. Imagine a, a cop stops you on the street, says, how much money are you carrying? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to buy from home? You know, and it could happen every day of your life. Getting back to this Nebraska state treasurer, he said, my message is really simple. The people of Nebraska entrusted me to protect the privacy of these accounts, and I am not going to comply with this. If the Biden administration sues me, we will take it all the way to the Supreme Court. We are going to fight every step of the way. Good for him. Good for him. Wow, these are crazy times. Yeah. I mean, between the the spending and the control and the intrusions and, the you know, uh, Merrick Garland saying the FBI was going to look into what could be domestic terrorism, people yelling at school board meetings, and we're going to bring the weight of the federal government down on that. Come on. Got to ask for ketchup packets now. <laughs> You're right. Senator, Senator Scott Wilk, I'm guessing a Republican of Santa Clarita, said, why was making local government the ketchup packet police a priority? That's a decent question. Yeah, that is a good question. People have no, I mean, these these stories fit together. People have no concept of it anymore of the role of government. The government is not supposed to do all this stuff. Right, right. Yeah, a country founded on the, the idea of limited government and self-governance has now completely lost that thread. Which is uh, highly disappointing, at least. I mean, and, you know, we, we, we try here, and there are others like us who try, but, man, the masses of Americans. I wonder, somebody ought to just, Gallup ought to do this. Uh, just ask the question, why do we have a government, or what should the government be doing? Make and me just, happy. And just They're have, supposed to make me happy. Right. And have people fill in a blank or, you know, write a a couple of sentences, then do one of those word clouds and figure out what people actually think. The government is there, by the way, to protect your liberty. That's why it exists right there in the founding documents. It's not to take other people's money and give it to you. It's not to make you happy. It's not to root through your your bank account nor your underwear drawer. Ay, ay, ay. The Nobel Prize in Chemistry, this is Nobel Prize Week, where every day they're going to give out the Nobel Prizes. I mostly look forward to the Literature Prize, because it often uh, hips me to a really great author. Author? An offer. A really great author that I'd never heard of, and uh, like just amazing. Well, the Nobel, Nobel Prize for Chemistry, I really went hard at it this year. I added a little more gin to my gin and tonics, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping it's a breakthrough. But it went to two scientists who made a tool for building molecules, and it has helped lessen chemistry's environmental impact. Okay. So yesterday, the physics guys were working on global warming. These guys are about environment, too. And somebody responded, a scientist responded, apparently the Nobel Committee either lives under a rock or doesn't care about the coronavirus vaccine, writes the scientist. Those companies... Altogether, we're snubbed despite producing a modern medical miracle in a record time, but maybe next year. Yeah. Not not woke enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, instead of just careening through this at breakneck speed on the other side of the break, I just want to 
touch again briefly on Coinbase, which was that company, the CEO, uh, CEO a year ago, said no politics, no woke stuff. We're not going like Nike. We're not going to hire Colin Kaepernick. No politics at work anymore. And the backlash against him, well, a year later, he's reporting on how it's gone. I think you will find that very interesting. And indeed, it does appear that the American bumblebee could be declared endangered. Population has declined 89% over the past two decades. The usual uh, suspects, habitat loss, pesticides, disease, climate change, competition with evil, evil honeybees. The government should not be in the business of picking winners and losers among bees. <laughs> so that, I, that hive collapse thing. You remember that with the honeybees? That was a hot conversation. Did that go away or I think it what? went I think it went away like it came and nobody knows why, I think, if I remember huh. correctly. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think we got time to jam this in one more time because I found it so entertaining and I want to memorize this. So it's it's mocking AOC, but she's not the only politician that engages in word salads. When they're answering questions, in particularly the other day, she was asked why she voted present on that bill about giving money to Israel. She didn't vote yes or no. She voted present. And part of her answer was, in the micro, I do believe that this created a window in our community to be able to bring all folks to the table. And uh, so this this guy on a TikTok created a word salad. And I'd like to memorize this and like use it at a school board meeting or something. Here you go. Oh, absolutely. And I, I do believe there is something to be said about this sort of, uh, how do I put this, uh, willing ignorance, right? This sort of duality between that consciousness of being aware in such manner and yet readily marginalizing that intersectionality. It's very profound. These these conversations are intrinsically multifaceted, mm. right? There are different angles to be looking at this from. And it's crucial to juxtapose that contrast within those realms of varying perspectives. And it's, it's sort of the case where, you know, are we asking ourselves the right questions or are we all just sort of victim to the cause itself? It's, it's suffocating, to be quite frank. It's paralyzing. But uh, having these conversations is extremely, extremely vital in fundamental change. I find myself simultaneously amused and dying, so but when, my, my will to live is dying. When people do that, and they do that regularly, whether it's in your, uh, uh, the guy standing up in front of the conference room back when we all went to work, uh, or a politician or whatever, when people do that, do they know they're doing that? Or do they, or do they think what they're saying, we're all just, oh, okay, the juxtaposition of the duality of the conflict with the perception, of, do they know what they're doing? I think it kind of varies. Some do it intentionally. Some are just so enthused about the latest corporate speak or what have you. Eisenhower famously said once when he was going out to give a speech, how are you going to handle this? He said, I'm just going to confuse him. And he gave out, went out and gave a speech kind of like that, answering uh-huh. some questions. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. So sometimes you, know what, it, you know what we need to bring back, Michael? Uh, we ran it a couple of days ago. The couple that was flirting using entirely using uh, corporate speak. That was pretty funny. And then I'll have that uh, Coinbase follow-up for you. Cool. That's all next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Natalie from accounting. Hi, do I know you? 
Chad from sales. Not to be like weird or anything, but you've low-key been an action item on my list for a while now, and I was wondering if maybe like you could get a line sometime, maybe sync up. Oh my gosh, I'm flattered. I just don't really have the bandwidth right now. I'm about to pivot back to HQ. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, totally not best practices by me, you know, a lot of moving parts. No, 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 I really do appreciate you reaching out. Just a lot of roadblocks at the moment. What if we put a pin in this and circle back next week? Yeah, we could totally punt this next week, if you have capacity. I can make Tuesday work, then we can touch base. Maybe even drill down. Was that like a innuendo or something? Because I would love to unpack your pain points. I'm looking for kind of an all-in-one product, something that can scale with me. Well, that's good news, because I'm agile. Great, I look forward to ideating. Ideating. I'm agile. Good, I look forward to ideating. That's funny. That's the uh, second thing in a row that both amused me and, and cost me probably five minutes of my life. I don't know why. It just eroded my soul. Let's put a pin in that and punt it till next week. Mm. And once again, I ask you managers, do you just catch on that the, that's the, like the hot new phrases, put a pin in that? When did that happen? Like a year, two years ago? When we, everybody started saying that all of a sudden? Um, do you just catch on that that's what all the, the other managers in your company are saying and feel like you need to say it or... Does it just like kind of organically just seep into your brain without thinking about it? You know, as a guy who's raised three children now to adulthood and uh, spent a lot of time among small children, adolescents, teenagers, and young adults, every social group has the need, it seems, to create jargon, yeah, to create lingo, to make them feel special, better, unique. Uh, as a sign of uh, membership? I tend to think everything is anthropological in some way, and yeah, it's a sign of membership. Uh, just it, it makes uh, some more cohesive group that's more likely to be able to procreate and survive. And then fight uh, the uh, the cavemen who have totally different lingo from the other valley when they come to take our wives and our stuff. My son the other day said, uh, that guy over there looks kind of sus. And I thought, okay, it's the first time you've ever dropped a... You learned a new word in sixth grade. <laughs> oh, boy. Lingo thing. Oh, me. here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I try to be understanding of it and oh, realize sure. my generation sure. did the same thing. It oh, was yeah. probably highly annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, a little follow-up here. I just find this uh, inspiring and terrific. A year ago, September 27th of 2020, uh, Coinbase, which was a company I'd never heard of, their CEO, Brian Armstrong, put out a statement. They got a tremendous amount of attention. Talked about uh, the crazy year, global pandemic, shelter in place, social unrest, widespread protests and riots, uh, wildfires. On top of that, a contentious U.S. election on the horizon. Yeah, this was September of 2020. Everyone is asking the question about how companies should engage in broader societal issues during these difficult times while keeping their teams united and focused on the mission. Coinbase has had its own challenges here, including employee walkouts. I decided to share publicly how I'm addressing this in in case it helps others navigate a path in these challenging times. In short, I want Coinbase to be laser-focused on achieving its mission, because I believe that this is the way we can have the biggest impact on the world. We will do this by playing as a championship team, focusing on building and being transparent about what our mission is and what it isn't. During these difficult times, I think it's important to go back to guideposts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to be a championship team. What does this mean? Long story short... Focus on what unites us, unites us, not on what divides us. If it's going to be political or divisive or whatever, it doesn't belong at work. Don't bring it to work. Nothing. We're going to focus on doing what we do. Okay. Now, I remember at the time that this was super controversial. Right. Because young people want to work for a company that's got a social attitude and cares about the environment and racial equity and whatnot. And is out and proud and doing it and contributing and the rest of it. 
Well, he just posted, I think it was yesterday, two days ago. It's been about a year since my mission-focused blog post. wasn't easy to go through at the time, but looking back, it turned out to be one of the most positive changes I've made at Coinbase, and I'd recommend it to others. We have a much more aligned company now where we can focus on getting work done toward our mission, and it has allowed us to hire some of the best talent from organizations where employees were fed up with politics, infighting, and distraction. One of our biggest concerns around our stance was that it would impact our diversity numbers. Since my post, we've grown our headcount about 110%, so they more than doubled, while our diversity numbers have remained the same or even improved on some metrics. Several people told me this would never happen when I circulated the original draft internally. Turns out that there are people from every background who want to work at a mission-focused company. What was amazing was the contrast between the news following my post and the reaction from employees and people who spoke to me in private. Ah, we come to the oft-mentioned theme on the Armstrong and Getty show, the difference between the media and real people. It's the old Nixon silent majority, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Well, the media reports were mostly negative, and it even spawned some retaliatory and intellectually dishonest hit pieces. The reaction both from employees and the people I spoke to in private was overwhelmingly positive. I would say it was probably the most positive reaction I've gotten from any change I've made in the history of the company, which is saying something. How could something be so negative in the press but turn out to be incredibly positive with every stakeholder? Yeah, that's really wild. I'll pause for... Roughly two seconds for everybody to answer that in their own heads. How could something be so negative in the press, but turn out to be incredibly positive with every stakeholder? I know why. I can save that. Go ahead. Uh, I think way too many people in the press and way too many politicians are influenced by Twitter. And Twitter really only represents a tiny percentage of public thought. Mm -hmm. But it's... it's, it's, um, Influence is amazing in terms of making people think what is real. Right. But they are wildly, wildly distorted in their view of American society. Getting back to Brian Armstrong uh, from Coinbase's statement, the only sense I can make of it is that there is a huge mismatch between people's stated and revealed preferences right now, and we're operating in an environment of virtue signaling and fear of speaking up. I think that is part of it, too. Mm -hmm. The biggest lesson I took away from the whole ordeal is that if you believe something is the right path, it's worth speaking up about it, even if it's controversial. You'll get lots of attacks online. Not everyone will agree. But ultimately, people want clarity and authenticity from leaders, not platitudes. It will come back to you tenfold. And now, it's time for Final Thoughts with those bereft of reason idiots, Armstrong and Getty. Bereft of reason. Wow. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. A strong statement from the North Koreans. Let's give a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, Jack, I agree with you as far as retirement goes. I just want a simple retirement, a good TV, maybe a nice motor home, and I'll be happy. I need hardly anything, which, wow. is, which is much easier to plan for. <laughs> a uh, hotly anticipated final thought from Alex, our producer behind the scenes. Alex? Well, maybe he's filing that report for the BBC. He might be on the phone with the BBC right now. Who just wanted to report on the oil spill. They didn't care who it was. <laughs> Very good. Jack, you're the dang old co-host. What's your final thought? Just came across this. You know, the cable news channels that aren't Fox are struggling to find their footing in a post-Trump world. CNN spent 80% of September under 1 million viewers, which means 23 out of the 30 days... 
None of its programs in the entire lineup reached a million people. 23 out of 30 days. Mm. That's incredible. Crazy. My final thought is one that we have not expressed for a very long time. We almost never uh, uh, beg anything of you, but I'm, I'm about to. If you like the show, tell a friend. Oh, that's a good one. That's it. If you oh. don't, mind your own damn business. Hunter Biden's in L.A. at a big art show. We'll see uh, how much of his art sells. Armstrong. If you're a uh, Coke salesman, head on down. Make a few bucks. <gasps> oh, wow. Or a stripper. Yeah. Looking to get knocked up. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Oh, we've got some great new t-shirts at armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand, if you missed part of the show. We will see you tomorrow with the latest whatever. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. LGDP, uh, LGT, LBG. <sighs> what we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. But if all this is true, why haven't you resigned? And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. There's no conversation. There's not. There's no adult dialogue, if you will. It's just blah 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 blah. All right, not gonna lie. That intersectionality. It's very profound. These these conversations are intrinsically multifaceted. Armstrong and Getty.